0: My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy?
1: Yippy Kay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks.
0: Hey Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and bad movies of yesteryear. And I'm delighted to say we've got a very special guest with us today. We've got Scott from the 20th Century Geek, so welcome to the show, Scott.
2: Well, how it goes? Well, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to talking about this tonight. It's going to be
0: to be a good show. oh that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, we've been talking about this for a few—I uh want to say weeks, but it's probably more months, isn't it? You know, we said we wanted to do uh, something together. Obviously, over on the Twentieth Century Geek, you cover a lot of the same things uh, that, that we do—a lot of the sci-fi, just geeky culture and stuff. But rather than using my words, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about Twentieth Century Geek?
2: Yeah, thanks. Twentieth Century Geeks podcast—I do that looks at sort of all. Uh, Everything from geek culture in the 20th century, really, sort of look at the whole history of it. So everything from uh, I do focuses on specific, like actors or uh, a franchise. I've just done a Predator franchise with a couple of guys from another podcast. Uh, I have a full Terminator retrospective looking uh, coming up later in the year, uh, and also things in history. So I've looked at things like the uh, Seduction of the Innocent that impacts on comics. I'm going to do a big one on the Satanic Panic. Just everything. I I, I have quite a, an eclectic um way of doing things so the podcast (laughs) is perfect for me to sort of dip into all these different things and get people on to talk about it and uh yeah just enjoy sort of chatting about the 20th century and the birth of pop culture really
0: no, that's cool. And I mean, a couple that I really like, which stick out in my mind from recent times, the Predator one was great. Um And it's weird. I can't think of another franchise where you've got one clear uh, great movie and then a lot of pay limitations. <laughs> and I was thinking, I wonder if anyone thinks the same as I do. And it, it was like, well, I think um I seem to remember, I think a few of you, probably liked uh, AVP Requiem a little bit more than I liked. But apart from that, it it was more or less the same in terms of where I think it is. But the other one was uh, where you were just going through uh, scary stories.
2: Mm. Well, obviously, the film's coming out um, soon. you know, uh, Guillermo del Toro has done uh, Scary Stories to Turn in the Dark. So I, I wanted to pick up the book. I just thought it's worth having a look at. I wanted to go back. I'd never read it as a kid. and I mean, I started on, like, you know, a little bit of goosebumps, and it was like point horror, and then straight into the Stephen King. So I'd heard how important this book is as, as a bit of a gateway uh, horror thing for, for Americans in particular. So I got a copy out of read, and I thought, this is fascinating, because it, it really is just a, a history of folklore and urban legend, and um, that idea of telling stories, and I just like the idea of how it links to things. This, you know, nowadays like a uh, creepy pasta and uh, you know, other podcasts where sort of people come and tell their sort of uh, uh, scary stories. So yeah, there was it was, that was a lot of fun. That was learned a lot doing that as well.
0: No, it was good, and I, I will say, I probably, I probably would have enjoyed it maybe a bit more if I was listening to it on the tube or something, you know, <laughs> while I am commuting. But I was genuinely listening to it. I was playing a bit of FIFA, and I had it on 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 my earphones. So it's late at night. I was on my own. <laughs> it had the desired effects. Let me yeah. let me just say yeah. that I,
2: I actually had a few people um, that I know, like literally, they texted me or messaged me over social media, like, you know, you bastard, you really made me jump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, with you know, there's a couple of, like, say, jump scares built into it. So, brilliant. It worked. That's exactly the desired result, and it worked. So, that, I, I was, yeah, I was really happy with that. Awesome. That's even better,
1: because uh, I'm an absolute shitbag, Scott, so I'm quite glad I didn't listen to that. <laughs> <for myself. Yeah. laughs> I I am, uh, I'm going to watch It Chapter 2 this week, because my wife loves him, and don't let my size fool you, I'm going to be jumping at the credits at the start, so I, <laughs> I literally probably won't listen to that, unfortunately. I have listened to some of them, but not that one. Uh, that, that'll get me. Dave mentioned that before to me, and I was like, I'm sorry, I know no disrespect to Scott, but I just can't.
0: I'm a <laughs> not, coward. <laughs> not to digress too much, but have you seen the first one, that it's, you know, the the remake?
1: Yeah, it's more of a comedy, wasn't it? Than a-
0: I, I think the trailers are freakier than the, the actual movies. I I used to think this with a lot of Stephen King stuff, but honestly I, I didn't think I was expecting to, you know, be be quite scared of it, but it, it, for me it wasn't scary at all and I'm expecting much of the same with the second one to be honest.
2: Uh, I find that with Stephen King adaptations that they are sort of um you either get like a you know, you, if you get like an auteur doing it, you end up with a carry or a sort of a shiny, you know, something that stands out. Yeah. But, but a lot of them become quite pale. Uh, Adaptations because they don't want to sort of you know do too much with the source material. But the thing I found with it, part one, which I thought was actually interesting because I I enjoyed it. I actually thought it was really, really. uh, It was a good film, and you know, it's got a nice sort of Hollywood polish to it. But the the thing is, watching it, it felt more to me like um, Monster Squad or Goonies.
0: Goonies, um, yep, yep, absolutely,
2: like, like a horror film. And since then, actually, what's weird is that having spoken to people, it it's. It's people's kids that have watched it more, and these—I'm talking like you know, so it's probably about twelve to fifteen—that yeah. that have really been introduced to it. And it's been again that gateway thing of like you know, it's that sort of introductory horror film. I think people have you know the, the kids have really enjoyed it. I think, and I'll be interested to see how they manage chapter two because chapter chapter two is is the adult story. And um, have you read the have you, either of you read the novel?
0: No, no, I I was a bit more of a James Herbert man back in the day, but oh, yeah,
2: I'm, a big, <laughs> I'm a I'm a big James Herbert fan as well. But the the, 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 the novel, not going to spoil anything, it has it has an interesting ending in that Stephen King writes a wonderful novel. He can write an amazing journey. I mean, you know, he can really get you invested in the characters, and he can really sort of like pull the horror out of any moment. It is not great but endings, and so. <laughs> Um, they've already taken a few bits out. So i will be really interested to see how they sort of wrap this up without sort of um, going into some of the lesser, weirder things that Stephen King introduces in the book. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to see it on Thursday. But, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one.
0: Well, I just heard jump scares, and I know what Chris is like, and it's in the cinema, so (laughs) it's just entertain me, to be honest. (laughs) But, I mean, you mentioned, so so you're going to do a whole Terminator franchise retrospective, Mm. and today we're going to do a deeper dive into that first one, the 1984, The Terminator. So, Scott, do you want to take us through, when, when did you first watch this?
2: Uh, this is one of those, it's one of those films that, you know, Chris, I know you're a, you're a big Arnie fan. And, um, for me, I was, you know, sort of in primary school in the eighties. And, uh, so Arnie was a bit of a, a bit of an icon, like, you know, you sort of, you got to see the trailers and bits and pieces. And I didn't really get to see the films until I was a little bit older. So it wasn't really till I sort of lived older. It was, was with Terminator 2, uh, being released in like 91 that, um, you know, I remember sort of everyone were getting really excited for it. My God, it's going to be like the biggest film ever and it's Arnie and it's the Terminator. And I'd seen things like, you know, I think I'd seen uh, like the VHS cover, you know, sort of in the video yeah. shop and I sort of knew it and I'd seen the back and obviously in playground talk had been, you know, this is what it is. It's got this and my God, it's, you know, it's got a robot in it and, da, da, da. and um, it was actually one of my best mate's brother's. We had all these films on VHS at the time. And I think me and uh, my best friend Gaz at the time were talking about, oh, we've got to go see Terminator 2. How are we going to see Terminator 2? And I'm like 11, so we're not going to see it at the cinema. Um, And uh, his brother Mark was like, "Well, you've got to see the first one first. So he sort of sat (laughs) us down and sort of let us watch uh, the the Terminator. And up until that point, I think that my exposure to sci-fi and things had been Star Wars, you know, um, probably E.T., you know, that Star sort of Trek, The original Star Trek. series probably. Yeah. So yeah, the Star Trek movies, Yeah, you know, the, the harshest it got was like Wrath of Khan sort of thing. So <laughs> w- when I sit down and I'm saying, you know, we're going to go into detail, but when you see, especially like the flash forward dream sequences, I don't know what they are, but when you see those, those glimpses of the future, like the real brutality and, and then some of the special effects later on, like, yeah, this film blew me away. Like I remember sitting there afterwards and you're just sort of like, what have I watched and what have I been missing? Like, what else is there? Um, so this film had a massive impact on me and I made sure I went to see, uh, you know, Terminator two, as soon as it came out on VHS again after. Um, but it opened up all kinds of things like this was, this was opening up, uh, cinematic sci-fi for me in a big way. So, you know, not just any films like Total Recall, but mm-hmm. the rest, like all of it. So no, I think, I think Terminator is, is an amazingly, um, impactful film for me as a kid, but, uh, yeah, I probably watched it too young, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I think that's just a, that's a symptom of the 80s and the
0: 90s. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was, we were talking about this a, a few weeks ago that I, I think people were just a bit more liberal back then about mm. what you know, it's an 18, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what about yourself, Chris?
1: Yeah, I think I've mentioned a couple of episodes ago with Arnie. My, I think I watched it around about 89. I was about 11 years old, and my cousin, who's four years older than me, got into bodybuilding, which got me into training and going to the gym when I left school in about 94, 95. But he made me sit down one sort of weekend at my nan's and I ended up watching Terminator, Raw Deal, Running Man, um, Red Heat, there was all these things, I think Red Heat might have just been out around about that time, 89, 90, and I I just watched this one, and I was absolutely petrified of Arnie, and I was like, and he's like, you've got to watch him, this guy is like the main guy, and and I remember him trying to put pumping iron on, and I was like, I don't want to watch this, it's a documentary, I didn't have a clue, 11 years old, they're all videos, didn't have a clue what was going on. And, and as a side note, actually, just quickly, uh, I do want to say uh, a little tribute, actually, today, because he's in this film. Where Franco Colombo, Arnie's training partner, died this week. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. he's a legend from Pumping Eye, and I've watched millions of times. So, yeah, so a uh, great guy. But, yeah, so it's just one of them films that I, I sat there. I, I think very much like you, Scott, I, I love my Star Wars. I remember Star Wars was you. I mean, it's never mm. a you. I've just, been, I've just been out shopping, actually, before we recorded this. And as I go through Selfridges near me, there's uh, Darth Vader fighting Luke Skywalker with the Emperor. going, yes, feel the pain you know mm. the, the hate and all this. And I'm, I'm watching it thinking, why am I watching this? I've got this at home. But anyway, <laughs> so it was that sort of exposure to sci-fi myself. I was more an action man. By 89, I was watching, like, The Lethal Weapons, Beverly Hills Cops. They're my favourite films, 48 Hours, all that Eddie Murphy, Mel Gibson stuff. This wasn't my ball at all. It really wasn't. But when I watched it, I was just hooked. Arnie for me. And I think this is where Terminator and things like that just absolutely adore the guy. So um and plus he he doesn't really speak in it, which makes it even better. He's, he's probably the most robotic actor playing a robot. He's just, he's just fantastic casting, to be honest. He doesn't have to force it, does he, really, in this? <laughs> but he does it brilliantly, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. you know,
0: again, in our pre-show, we were talking about some of the other movies, the terrible movies that we've got in our pipeline, and the acting is genuinely terrible, and you don't realise how bad acting is, how bad bad acting is, you know, until you see something like the movies we're going to watch. But I think in that role, you know, under Cameron's direction, he's just absolutely nailed it. And, uh, yeah, I mean,
1: if he was a great actor,
0: he probably wouldn't have pulled it off as well.
1: No, he wouldn't have. What about yourself, Dave? So
0: I, I can remember, for a lot of the movies that we watch, I can't remember exactly the first time, but I do have, I have quite clear memories of this. So it was 1988. I was on holiday, um, and myself and my brother, we had I had our own room, you know, to to let mum and dad uh, have their their own time, and they taken taken my younger brother off. Uh, I can't remember if it was swimming lessons or something like that. I hadn't been allowed to watch this or RoboCop, and at this place they had, you know, running. It, there was no on-demand TV; it was all back before then but you had these movies running on a loop you know kind of like hbo's uh, do at the minute and on one channel you had terminator on on the other you had robocop but i knew i was told explicitly i can't watch these channels so i basically <laughs> while i was in the room i was right next to the tv with my finger on the button ready to switch the channel over as if i was just scrolling through the channels so i watched the whole movie Poised like that, <laughs> like a coiled spring ready to go. So it did, um, it did hamper my enjoyment a little bit, but, uh, no, I, I do remember it quite clearly. And, you know, I just remember thinking, this is amazing. And I, like yourself, Scott, I'd seen the video cover. I mean, it's such an iconic case, wasn't it? Every time I walked into the video store, you just felt your eyes being drawn to it. You know, mm. and Arnie's not even showing any of his muscles. It's just that chiseled jaw that he's got. And he, he just looks amazing. And the glasses look amazing, the leather jacket. And so, um yeah, I, th- I thought it was pretty amazing. I must admit, I think Terminator 2 might be the first kind of movie that I managed to get into as a, you know, teen um or that be a, yeah, yeah, I would have been a teen then, but just a little bit before I should have been in there, probably. But, um, yeah, now this first one, the way it sets the whole world out, I was blown away by.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think as well, is, is just quickly, you say that about getting in, Dave. I remember Terminator 2, and I think it came out in '91. Mm. Yeah, I was 13, and I'd blagged my way into the cinema. My friend he's seven months older than me and my brother's actually 18 months younger than me. So me and my brother gets in cause he was a 15 and that absolute muppet who obviously still didn't have any bum fluff got refused <laughs> and he was nearly 14 and we couldn't watch it. So we had to wait till we come out on video. We had to watch some crap film, like look who's talking <laughs> to us from, rubbish, and I've never forgiven him for that, ever, because he used to say, you were older than us, he was nearly two and a half years older than me, brother, and your genes. So He was like one of them, you know, just as you get into the door of the promised land, that big sort of hook comes Oil. and drags you off the tail, <laughs> I busted, honestly, absolutely I've got, got to say first, so, yeah.
2: I'm, you, know, you you've obviously had some you got some feelings there towards towards your friend, but I, I've got to say I'm, I'm impressed the loyalty that you showed. Because if it had been me, I'd have been. Oh, that's a shame. Tough. See you oh. later. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I think he probably would have dipped me if he'd got in. He probably yeah. would have gone right. I'll see you in a couple of <laughs> hours. But yeah, I was being the true friend. In fact, that's a very good point. That Scott the. <laughs>
0: <big>. <laughs> in this city,
2: under cover of darkness. Someone is stalking Sarah Connor Sarah Connor?
1: Yes
0: Sarah Connor, 35, brutally shot to death in her home
2: You're dead, honey
0: What's this?
1: Dead girl, too Sarah Louise Connor Is this right?
2: Of course, we'll have more on this late-breaking story as it comes in she doesn't know
0: why. But it's her he's after. Did you reach the next girl yet? No, answer I keep getting answers.
1: Check out if you're there. I'm really scared. I think that there's somebody after me.
0: And no one can help her. Except for one man. I'm Reese. It's a sign to protect you. You've been targeted for termination.
2: <laughs> that man just get up after you did de- not a man machine terminator underneath it's a hyper combat chassis microprocessor controlled fully armored very tough but outside it's living human tissue they cannot make things like that yet not yet not for about 40 years
0: are you saying it's from the future they came to fight for the one woman ...who could save their future. And this uh, computer thinks it can win by uh, killing the mother of its enemy. One came to protect her.
2: I came across time for you, Sarah.
0: The other, to kill her. Arnold Schwarzenegger is... Unstoppable, he has only one purpose, murder.
1: Can you stop it?
0: I don't know. And now Sarah Connor's world has become a battlefield with her at ground zero and the Terminator closing in. An adventure unlike anything you've ever seen before. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. So we're set in 1984, we get an Arnie-shaped Terminator appearing in a lightning storm from the future and weighing up his surroundings, he sets about getting some clothes and getting on with his mission. Now, Scott, going back to this, I don't know if you've watched it in recent years, but what are your first thoughts when you've when you press play on this video recorder? Uh,
2: well, I'm not going to show my hand too much, but I will admit this film is in quite heavy rotation on uh, on things. So I, I think this, this film opens uh, stunningly. I think, you know, even before Arnie or anything's introduced, you get that glimpse of the future, that sort of like, you know, you get the, uh, the text that gives that glimpse of what's happened. 1997 Skynet gets, uh, you know, becomes self-aware and you get the sort of, and then you're just dropped into it. And it is that thing of, to begin with when Arnie introduced lots of the stuff. Like I'm, I'm just like I have no idea what's going on. He just turns up naked, you know, and uh, it's it's that whole o- opening bit. You just you're left guessing, but I'm am still sort of dragged in because of that. Um, and it just looks so good. I think it's one of those films that sort of like the in the, the budget for this is you know on, in today's money is is minuscule. I think it was up like between six and ten million for mm-hmm. this film. So to make it look like they've done, I think, is think really impressive. But no, I, I'm hooked from the get-go. And, um, you know, you get the shout-out of uh, when he turns up to those punks and, uh, you know, uh, wash day tomorrow, nothing's clean, and then sort of <laughs> guts one of them. And in fact, he, you know, you've got Bill Paxton, a young Bill Paxton.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: the only yep. person to have been killed by a Terminator, a Predator, and an alien's anymore, So, you know, that's... Uh, Quite a and turned into
0: a piece of shit it. in Weird Science.
2: That's right, yeah. So a, re- a real career, but um, no, I think I think this film opens really strong. I mean, it's really good um, and leaves you guessing. Like, I've no clue what's going on at the start when I first watched this. Yeah,
1: it does. It gives you that you're not sure who's the goody, who's the baddie, which I think is quite clever. I mean, obviously you obviously can see Arnie; he's no messing about. But even Kyle Reese. Now, look, guys, I've got to say something that watching it now. I you know, I love The Terminator. Terminator 2, as you said, Scott, I, I, I've had that, as you said about this, I've had that on a loop for many a year, that film. I had the, the Guns and Roses, You Could Be Mine song, everything. I love the second one. And this one, again, what a film. But as a 40-year-old, I always say this is a 40-year-old, but as a 40-year-old man, right, <laughs> I'm watching it thinking, when Kyle Reese robs that Trump's. Uh, yeah. Pants, and all of a sudden the cops just conveniently turn up. You know, what I kept thinking, and this is bad. This thinking, he must stink of shit and piss wearing them pants as he ran off. <laughs> I
2: know that's really bad. but that's like no, thinking, it's true. No, look, you're spot on. Because yeah. there's moments later on where he's huddled. I've thought the same. Where he's huddled up to Sarah Connor, and I'm surprised she's not going. Jesus, yeah. like you stink. Back off. You need a yeah. shower. Sir. Yeah, you need yeah, a shower. But- yeah, and the, the trap. Yeah, 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 honestly, I know it's mm-hmm. bad. I was
1: thinking, oh, you dirty <laughs> bastard. And he's got the wonders on either as well. Oh, no, I don't know if you've
0: no. seen the in-betweeners, but you know, he, there's an episode where he can't get into a club because he's got trainers on, and he ends up buying <laughs> these uh, shoes from a tramp. And they're all just stinking a piss because he's pissed in them and stuff. And (laughs) it's just you're right, you're absolutely right. Uh, That was uh, especially when it gets a bit naughty a bit later on with uh, Sarah. You know, I was thinking he, he must reek a bit.
1: Yeah, I, and that's bad that I know. But it does start really strong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to like segue off. It just really bugged me watching. But there was loads of little bits in this where there was no real, for me at the start, there was no reason for the police to be chasing Kyle Reese. They just see him putting his pants on down an alleyway. All right, you know, he's got no top on that. But but from there, they just man on him completely, don't they? I think like, it doesn't it's not the logic. Doesn't the
0: tramp guy shout that he's been robbed or something?
1: Yeah, no, but they've already, yeah, he they, does say it afterwards, but then the tramp guy's actually got under armor pants on as well. He's got like leggings <laughs> on, <laughs> for Christmas jobs on. And he runs, they run off. and thinking, why would you, why would they go after him? So, thing is, if he's, he's, he's killed somebody, he's not done anything. They've just seen him putting some pants on. It just made, well, you know, I think it, it makes sense. The film, yeah, I think but. that's
2: the thing. Takes, but I also think this is one of those things that sort of, um, it's got to be taken into consideration of the time as well. Like Los mm-hmm. Angeles and New York in, in, you know, 83, 84, early 80s were not nice places to be. Um, You know, they're not the sort of pristine tourist traps they are today. And I think sort of the police were a bit more probably I don't know, on the ball or a bit more aggressive in those sort of days. I think it's one of those things that like, I think, yeah, if they saw someone, any criminal activity, I think... It, I don't know. They probably just shot him. To be perfectly honest, that'd probably be more accurate. He's off you know, (laughs) and driven off.
1: And credit I know because, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because they're, so, they're so concerned for little Joe there the tramp who's living down the side street I was just like <laughs> nah I don't buy that I mean look it's just because we're reviewing it I'm just sort of taking the mick but it was just one of them funny bits with him with the smelly pants and that guy thinking he won't give a shit about a tramp <laughs> yeah. normally so yeah it was, it, but again I love the bit and he gets the Nike trainers on in that store that's brilliant I, loved, I always wanted a pair of them trainers when I was a kid
0: absolutely uh, but I have to say you know I remember Reese being a, you know, quite a bit smaller, and he's just never ever going to be a match for Arnie. And like yourself, Scott, I was quite impressed. I haven't watched this for a few years now, and I knew the budget was on the lower side. And I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, "Crikey, this this really does look quite good." And the the only thing that that well, there's a few special effects things later on, but mm. the fashion is the main thing that kind of dates it. But I almost think, you know, in this movie, there's there's no scene that's wasted at all. But but when Arnie first gets up and he stands up and he's he's been uh, sent back from the future, I just think yeah, he just looks amazing, doesn't he? And I believe the first time uh, he kind of read for or, or met James Cameron and that he was he was looking for the part of Kyle Reese. <laughs> which was never, ever going to work. But, um, you know, they got him to read for the, for the Terminator. And then, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But yeah. I mean, what, what do you think of the, the casting, Scott?
2: Well, so you're, you're right. You I mean, spot on. I mean, you say, he, you know, to make him read for the Terminator, doesn't take long because it's sort of like, stand there, don't say anything, look angry. Oh, well done. It's, <laughs> you know, it's flex. Oh, boy, brilliant. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> part's yours. Um, uh, you're right. I mean, yeah, apparently originally he came in to play Kyle Reese, but this film, like I said, was could have been very different. I mean, um, it was going they were going to flip it. The idea was to sort of flip it, which they sort of do with Terminator 2, but the idea was to have Arnie as sort of Kyle Reese, and then it was going to be either uh, Lance Hendrickson was originally approached to play the Terminator, um, yeah. and the other one they wanted was O.J. Simpson, was a, was also a consideration. But they almost wanted it the other way around. They wanted it to look like, yeah, the Terminator is an infiltration unit, looks like a regular guy, like you wouldn't suspect some sort of thing. And then, you know, to have him, that, that machine, then beat up Arnie. Um, but yeah, apparently like, there was some dispute then about why, well, no, you don't want Arnie looking too, you know, like he's going to get beaten up on this other stuff. And apparently he wasn't too keen on it, to protect of protecting his career and that sort of thing. So yeah, he reread for the Terminator. Yeah. It's, it's
1: weird, isn't it? Because I'd read that as well, and I also read. Uh, James Cameron was actually going to introduce the T-1000 as well, you know, Robert Patrick's. But he said there was no way that the technology of, like, the early 80s could do it. The CGI just was not there, was it? It was mainly sort of practical effects, so... He, he couldn't put it together. But but yeah, I mean, I, one thing I did see as well is he did say if Arnie was going to be Kyle Reese, who the hell was going to be the Terminator? Because he has to be bigger mm. than Arnie. And there was no <laughs> film stars. You know, they, they said Mel Gibson and Stallone were offered the part of the Terminator. But they, they're about, I mean, Arnie's not six foot two. He's about 5'11", realistically. Maybe six foot at his peak. He's certainly not um, 6'2 is the bill, but Stallone and Mel Gibson are about five foot six in heels. So there's no <laughs> way they could have been going after Arnie. That would have made no... It would have been better the other way round, to be yeah. honest. So, so yeah, they agree, I think. Um, And at the time, OJ, OJ Simpson, obviously, was, was just coming off the back of his American football career, so he was still mm. in good shape. So I sort of get that, but he was never... I mean, he was always in police squad, one in... Uh, Things like Naked Gun, he was always like comedy value. So I just think they made. I believe James
0: Cameron wouldn't buy OJ Simpson as a as a cold blooded killer. (laughs) (laughs) Genuine truth, (laughs) that's what I
1: believe it it was. No, no, no! no, I believe that He actually said the gloves.
0: (laughs) 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 But the Uh, other name, the other name that I'd heard was Sting.
2: Stink, really? Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just don't know how that would work. But um, I'm sure you could... Tantric sex. Yeah, he's, into it. <laughs> yeah, he's in June, wasn't he? And I think that's why it wouldn't work. But um, yeah, that would have been a bit, bit different, wouldn't it? So, you know, for all these things that could have happened, it seems like we
1: got the perfect outcome. Yeah, we did. We did, to be fair. I mean, what do you think, uh, Scott, of, you know, Sarah Connor... As a character, as in Linda Hamilton, I, I think I was always surprised by the casting. But when you watch the second one, you're like, "Yeah, that was perfect." I know she was going out with James Cameron and that, but she, she was not really a massive household name at the time, was she? Because that's why a lot of people give it the connotation of being a B movie with a bit more style. Yeah,
2: you know, right. I mean, she was, she's she's almost. I mean, this film in many ways plays almost like a slasher film, doesn't it? Like a almost like a you know a, a B movie horror film, like Halloween. Or something. Yeah. And so she is, she's, she's quintessentially like the final girl. That's what she is. Um, I mean, again, you you know, if you were to, if you were to watch this film with a feminist eye, like it really has, it's the most, one of the most macho films ever that, you know, there's two, two men come back from the future to protect or kill this one woman who is a a scream queen for the majority of the film, a baby maker. Yeah, literally. Like she, yeah, that's literally her purpose. Yeah, you're right. Like, literally her purpose is to is to produce a male heir. Um, yeah. So, you know, for her to then become the badass in, in T2 was almost like, uh, you know, it was, it was required. And it's funny because obviously Cameron has this reputation for strong female characters. And you think of, like, Ellen Ripley and Aliens and then obviously mm-hmm. uh, um, Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor in T2. But, yeah, when you watch this, like, yeah, it it doesn't quite play out in that respect because um, she's. I think she's fine in it. I think you know she she's playing her age, early twenties. She she does what she needs to do, um, but yeah, she's a bit soppy at times, a bit sort of soft. But that's fine. That's what she's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it did a good job of. You know, set in her very mundane existence you know and and it's the way it kind of brought her out of that mundane existence and basically said you 're the most important person in the world fair dues. it's because you 're going to give birth to the messiah essentially <laughs> but um you know, I thought I I liked the way they set her up. You know, working as as a waitress in in that restaurant, in that crappy restaurant. You've got that I've little that. shit with it, putting the, <laughs> <laughs> in the ice cream in a thing. It's just oh, you know, I'd be like for fuck's sake. So yeah, I I think it did a good job of setting her up. And I, I must admit though that what wound me up a bit was a was a housemate or flatmate. Mm. And I know Walkmans were massive in those early 80s, but I don't remember anyone just constantly bouncing up and down, listening to them uh, when you're trying to carry off a conversation or trying to uh, get a bit freaky under the sheets. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's that, yeah. yeah. That's she'd have had some sort of ritalin or something this, this day and age. Like she needed some <laughs> some medication because yeah. Even though they say, they stood at the, the bathroom mirror and trying to do themselves up, and like the wires the are getting all tangled up. I'd have just been like, look, just piss off, leave me alone. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do my hair. You can have this place later. It's just rude. I mean, you know, if you were to replace that today, she'd be just on her phone constantly. Yeah, but,
1: uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And also, a boyfriend had the worst fucking sex <laughs> chat we've ever heard. I mean, it was fucking awful, yeah. wasn't it? It wasn't even, like, sexy or anything. And, and you know, she's supposed to be laughing, Sarah, and it's like, this guy's a complete cock. <laughs> I'm so glad when the men <laughs> took him out, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's the way that, you know, he rings up, and he knows that there's two of them there, yet he doesn't bother to check who's on the other end of the line. So... Yeah. yeah, he's
2: got 50-50 like, chance Yeah. Oh, oh, give it a go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, not again. Yeah.
2: True. yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you must know that his girlfriend's got his headphones on. She can't hear the phone. So yeah,
0: that's true, yeah. She's probably more, never answering the phone, is she?
2: Yeah, so it's more than likely going to be Sarah, so... So do you reckon yeah.
0: he's maybe trying it on a bit, so, you know, throwing out a, a fish hook there, seeing if she'd be up for a bit of menage a trois? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a strong possibility. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem like a. But he's, he's the kind. He looks like the kind of guy that probably would. I'm surprised he didn't have a ponytail. That was the one thing I thought was. Missing,
1: oh you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So then we sort of get we realise that Arnie is the bad guy. We we as the stories being told because he just goes around killing Sarah Connor basically out of the phone book, which is definitely ages this film. I suppose there's a lot of things it doesn't, and I think you said about the wardrobe, Dave. I think. Because fashion comes around, a lot of the stuff they're wearing doesn't seem that out of place. Of it, the cops all look generic coppers from the eighties. But I think, like when they're in the disco, other than some of the daft haircuts, it doesn't look too dated. But yeah, he, he makes a beeline for Sarah, who um, the whole of this opening section, and again, one of the most iconic bits for Arnie. He says, I think he says a hundred words in this mm. whole film, right, and. Is the one where he's getting the guns, you know, yeah. Uzi 9 millimeter, and that guy's like, hey, you can't do that, we've yeah. this day, but I mean, he just goes, wrong, and just takes him out, you know, it's, it's just like, Arnie, 101, he says nothing, but it's so effective. And, and I think as well, what's good about what they did with Arnie is he just looks so wide and big compared to the average man in any film, especially in the 80s. He it's, it's, it really is an imposing character. So, like I say, it's a fantastic opening to the film. Yeah, for
2: me. I think it's the way he talks as well. It's, it's, he says so little, and then what he does, the way they've sort of, uh, it's the tone, almost like monotone. Yeah, um, it's, it's he just he does come across as just threatening. Like he is, I think. There's one point. I think uh, they describe the terminus like a great white shark. Like it's just on business. That's all it's ever doing, and that's what he feels like. Like he is relentless. Like he's just on a mission and like will not stop.
0: So apparently, it was it was Arnie who came up with the idea of of that kind of scanning effect. So mm. to move the eyes first and then let the, the rest of the head follow. And I think it is so effective, and and like I say, looking at it, I, I completely buy he is this Austrian robot from the future, and I kind of wish we'd have watched this one. We did Commando a few weeks ago, and, and I, I, I'm pretty sure every line, every iconic line, there's 18 lines apparently that he had in this. I'm sure he says that in Commando. And the one that I hadn't realized was was that bit in the gun shop where he says, you can't do this. And he's like, wrong. And it's just like, you know, um, when his daughter first gets kidnapped in commando and the guy says, well, you know, you're going to have to deal with us now, aren't you? Right. And he goes, wrong. Wrong all like, oh, right I, I, I'm right. I'm going to have to get a little Arnie catchphrase checklist <laughs> and go through and just check. But it seems, you know, they've taken whoever's written all these lines. I'm, I'm assuming it's Cameron. Um, Arnie just seems to have taken them and, and made a career out of them all.
2: So like Arnie, bingo.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is is there any bits in this, Scott? So we're sort of towards, was aiming towards the middle of the the movie now. So he's he's chasing Sarah. He's in the the club scene we get where she finally realizes that she's in danger. Is there any standout
2: woman Yeah, for I you? think this is you know this, this running up to this film, running up to the uh, the technoire uh, nightclub uh, scene. They've tried to play again. They've sort of played it. So you don't really understand. You don't fully get, you know, the Terminator and, and um, Kyle Reese. Like, they're both being played. Like, you know, obviously, the Terminator's killing people, like, left and right. Doesn't doesn't care. So you get he's a buddy. But you're never really sure of, of like, Kyle Reese's motivations. Yeah. They're playing him really shady. I love the fact he's played so shady, like, he's following around. And Michael Bean, like, we've talked about the cast, of, but Michael Bean is, you know, he looks... Um, you know, he still looks sinister, and he looks gritty and stuff. And I, I think he, he's great in this. Um, but there's a moment I think before he finally catches up with, um, uh, before he catches up to technology, he's, he's obviously stolen a car and he's watching a driller, like a drill, do like you know, if he's doing construction or whatever. And he, he sort of falls asleep and he has a dream of the future of you know his past. Yeah, you say. yeah, yeah. And you get that glimpse of. The, you know, life in the ruins of the future, sort of like, you know, you've got the hunter killer machines sort of chasing them down. You've got the, the pipe bombs that then become later, you know, become important and you get to see uh, just those little glimpses of like him, um, you know, the, the, the car that's been refilled with the gun on the back and they're being chased. Like it's, it's, it's stunning. Like, you know, for the budget they've got again, like you've got to say, like, you know, it looks great. And I'm, um, I I just love that bit. Like, then he wakes up and the car crashes and uh, the, you know, they've got the flames sort of going up. And the use of colour, because the whole thing's been so dreary and drab and they've sort of drained, it's got this it's like blue tone for the future. But it's been so clo- it's also so claustrophobic and that. So when it starts to catch fire and you get the colour start to seep in and that's when he wakes up again, Is it's, I just think yeah, that's a really nice sort of, like, you just get these snippets. There's no exposition, like there's no one, they get very little, a little bit later on, but you keep getting these snippets that tell you about like why he is the way he is um so when he finally catches up with sarah you're sort of like i have no idea whether he's going to be um friend or you know fro sort of fend off friend or foe sort of thing you never really (laughs) turn sure so no i I think he's he's great and i I think you know what do you guys think about the techno eye and that and sort of that that sort of glimpses of the future
0: oh it's fantastic and uh you know uh, definitely an inspiration that, that they took over in the X-Men and mm. used for Cable, you know, a lot of that dystopian future kind of uh, idea. And, and obviously Cable very much is based off Terminator anyway. But um, no, I thought it was fantastic. And, and I don't remember at the time really appreciating the music, mm. but, you know, I, I, I hear that theme tune now and just the hairs on my arms start to go up and I, I just think it it works so well um and you're right the way they they kind of they were ambiguous about what the roles were there were these kind of just two people as chris has just said you know we can see arnie's killing people but the police are releasing quite quite liberally actually you know to the press of you know everyone's being killed who's called sarah connor and it you know i think they they don't put it out to the press, do they? But they discuss it's the order of the phone book, so they kind of know who's coming next. But she's watching the TV, you know, and finds out that these other people called Sarah Connor have been killed and so puts two and two together. You've got this stinky hobo following you. So <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, oh, yeah, he's, he's got to be the baddie. And it's only when Arnie shows his hand in the club that Reece, um you know, he finally reveals his hand and, and you know, he says that immortal line, doesn't he? Come with me if you want to live.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's funny because with the I'll be back as well, Arnie was apprehensive saying it, wasn't he? And that pretty much made him I'll be back. You know, he couldn't say the I'll, so they would try. he wanted it to yeah. to I will be back. And Cameron was like, no, it's got to be I'll be back. And he had to work on that and say it as best he could. And, and to be honest, it went everywhere with him after that, didn't it? I'll be back. It was in ev- everything he does. I think he throws it in there. It's, it's just standard. He, he does a, a speech to a university, a proper like, you know, where, where, he's there with the full gown and everything, give this motivational speech, <laughs> and he always says, I'll be back. You, know, it's just, Do you think it's that's because he, he finally everywhere.
0: nailed it? You know, he couldn't say it for ages. And he was trying to plead his case, wasn't he, to Cameron? And and I can't imagine many people uh, get one over. I I get the impression Cameron's a real ball breaker. And, and, you know, he was trying to argue, no, surely a robot would say, I will be back. And he's like, look, I don't tell you to act. (laughs) Don't tell me how to write lines. Read the fucking line. So, yeah, no, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
2: I've got to say that, that line, although it's, it's so iconic and, you know, later in this film, it's also become a bit of a curse that they have to try and shoehorn it into every Terminator film. So, you know, he then says it obviously in, <laughs> in um, T2 when he goes to take out the sort of, uh, you know, the zero casualty police to get them out of the uh, Cyberdyne systems. And then he says it, he jumps out the thing in three and then and someone else says he'll be back. And then just after that, it's just like they have to, even in the trailer for the latest one, the latest trailer for Dark Fate, there's a bit where like Sarah Connor throws a grenade over a bridge and she says, oh, I'll be back. And you're just like, oh, for God's sake, just...
0: <laughs> Drop
1: it. Just, yeah, seriously.
2: Just, like, those I are three that, words yeah. that should not be in the next Terminator film. Like, there's no one's allowed to say it. It's ridiculous.
1: There's only one man allowed to say it, Scott. That's true, I agree, totally.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my head in. But, yeah. I, I must admit, it always bugged me in Running Man because when Killian, the absolute ass. TV host, he's got him there, he? and he's ready to go down into like the first game against the, the big guy mm. with the blonde hair, the big monster guy. And he goes, and he goes, Killian, I'll be back. And then Killian just fucks him off and goes, Yeah, yeah. in the reruns. <laughs> <laughs> just like, you bastard, you've just ruined it. You know, <laughs> but response. I love the effect as well of where he's
0: choosing what to say. You know, mm. so it switches to like Arnie vision or Terminator vision, and you know, he's got his little stock lines, you know, and some of the things that he's learned while he's there as well. You know, I, I thought that was a really, really nice effect.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really well thought out. I think well, yeah, that comes to sort of one of the things I really like about this techno art scene is, I mean, it's badass. I mean, like, you know, he opens fire first with like, a, he's got that gun with the laser, which, um, you know, great effect, like just slowly moving across or moving up up Sarah Connor.
0: Yeah.
2: Carl Reese opens fire and he starts blowing things up with that shotgun. Then they have the Uzi fire. It's, it's really good. I mean, you really get into the action. Um, <clears throat> and then when they escape, and I think they blow up a car, don't they? Like, there's a car that's on fire as they're averse yeah. you know, out- And Arnie, like, dives through that wall of flame and lands on the front of the car, and his fist goes through the windshield and that. So it looked, it's great. But one of the things I hadn't really noticed, and someone pointed out to me recently, and I really looked for it in this one, a detail is because he's gone through that wall of flame, Arnie's hair now becomes obviously shorter and singed, so the sort of like flowing locks have gone. But so have his eyebrows.
0: <laughs> you know what? I I, I've, I'm i glad you've said that because he from that point, he just looked a bit weird to me, and I couldn't actually put my finger on what was it. Why have they bulked up his forehead? You know, and it, it did remind me of the old Lou Ferrigno, uh, the, the Hulk. <laughs> you know, especially that first pilot. They they were doing something mm-hmm. with prosthetics there, which just looked plain weird. And um, yeah, of course, it, it's so obvious when you say it. He'd have no eyebrows left.
1: I never realised that, Scott. That's a, I- Top, find that mate because it is. There's a bit where he goes from this flowing side parting to an Ivan <laughs> Drago <old> flat top, <laughs> yeah. bunny, which it just, just changes. I've never realised that with his eyebrows. That's a that's a great spot. That I'm gonna have to watch that back now to see because because it is. The, there's a few bits where he sort of starts getting a bit dismantled and that. Which I know it's the effects, especially the eye mm-hmm. when he has to take the eye out and that. And yeah, there's a few bits where. It is the effects of the time, unfortunately, isn't it? It does look a bit... I don't know suppose that's the whole point, especially. It's not as believable even now when you watch it. Even now, I'm like, oh, God, that doesn't... But at the time, it was a trailblazer because if you fast-forward to Terminator 2... James Cameron, and even when you watch it now, the stuff he did with the T-1000 and that was absolutely up there as some of the best special effects we've ever seen in movies. And I remember it getting so many plaudits, the second one. So I think it's good. It's just these are few... Because even when... He, he, Reese is having some of the flashbacks, and we're seeing the robots in like the future, always all having you know, when he was younger and the skulls and the way they're moving, they just remind me of the way that stupid robot mm. moved in Robocop, the one that was up yeah. against him. And it always looked like a, a, a um, T Rex, like a dinosaur moving, it always looked dead weird. And, and some of that you can see as of the time when we reviewed. Uh, we did Conan, haven't mm-hmm. we, Dave, on Comics in Motion? It's very much the same, some of the things in that. It, it's just unf- – and Star Wars, I'll tell you how they moved, actually, how the, how the actual monsters move on the chessboard in mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon in Star Wars in the first one. They moved very stiff, and the legs – well, that's – it's 84. I mean, I'm probably being a bit of an arse saying that. It's bloody 35 years <laughs> well, ago. I mean, it's that stop-motion
2: – Animation and I'm a real sucker for that, so I love all that sort of the Ray Harryhausen kind of stuff, you know, like uh, uh, Clash of the Titans and Jason the Argonauts and the Sinbad fans, yeah. I love all that stuff. I think you know, it looks it, it, it hasn't aged amazingly, but it's like it's the amount of effort that's gone into making them. I also think is incredible. But in this, I know what you mean that when he gets back and he's doing, um, he does his eye, doesn't he? he? He does his hand. I think the hand bit looks great when he's got his arm open and he's testing the, yeah, the metal yeah. tendons on his fingers, that looks great. But then when he has his eye removed and you see the terminator like the terminator bit under the flesh looks great like it moves fantastically but yeah the skin on the the headpiece looks a bit rubbery and it moves really jerkily um yeah and i think it's just it's just a limitation of the special effects at the time it was made by stan winston so this is, again is the stan winston studios that did all this so it's uh it was relatively, you know, sort of trying to be cutting edge for the budget they had. But yeah, you're right. It does. I watch it this time. And you think, no, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't look great, unfortunately. But um,
0: I can only think that that must have been a bit of a time thing as well, because mm. I can't imagine even at that time. And I remember when I first watched it as well. And it's just like, ooh, that that doesn't look good. And it, they obviously built this whole thing, and it felt to me like, well, they just had to use it, mm. you know, because uh, I mean. I don't know, you could have put stuck an eye patch on him, you know, and put a little Terminator red dot on there and it would have looked better, to be honest. <laughs> you yeah. know? So I can't imagine anyone looked at that and just thought, oh, yeah, it's, it's like looking in a mirror for Arnie, you know. <laughs> it always looked pretty bad, I think, but I, I yeah. just think it must have been a time thing and they just had to go with it.
2: I also think it's the the objective of what they're wanting to achieve with that effect. Like you look cause you do, you look at the head and the shoulders and the way it moves and you sort of go, Yeah, it's no it's not good. It looks like a it looks like he's got something wrong with him sort of like, you know, it doesn't look right. But then what they say, when you see the eye move, like that looks great. And I think that's the what yeah. they they clearly want you to focus in on, you know, oh my shit, this is what the robot looks like under the flesh. Like it's your first glimpse of what a the Terminator robot looks like the you know the cybernetic bit, um, and that bit was great. But like you say, the, the the rest of it you do you sort of go oh, You could have could you not made it a bit sh- more shadowy? Like, could you put more put more add more dark, yeah. add more dark? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see it. But
0: uh, Cameron was great for making things dark as well. I, I yeah. know that um, in Aliens, you know, he was quite passionate about that. It was all too bright initially, but I'm, I'm sure we'll do that another time. You know, you know what I thought. I mean, leading up to that bit, I, I thought they actually got away from him a little bit easy, you know, when uh, when they get captured by the police and what have you. I mean, Arnie is the like you say, he's this yeah. great white shark. He's just relentless. He's basically a robot version of Mike Myers. And I just, I was watching it and I was thinking, yeah, I'm not really buying that he'd just wander off and go and repair himself.
1: Mm. No. I was just, you know what, I've been chomping to say that bit. That's one thing when I watched it, Dave, I've been chomping to say that in the review. I totally agree. I'm thinking, well, he can't be penetrated by any of the guns the coppers have got, so why didn't he just get up and go and get Sarah Connor? It was, it, it just didn't make any sense to me at all. And, and the way he, he skulked into his apartment, it just... I, I, I could, I know they're trying to make it a bit so he's supposed to be slightly human or he's perceiving to be, but that bit for me stood out a lot and I'm thinking I know it, I know to be fair it leads on to one of the best scenes in the film where he actually comes and just destroys yeah. the whole police station. It's fantastic that and you get that what I love is that <laughs> doctor, that arse of a psychiatric doctor who's yeah. in the second one. Oh, who John doesn't Blanca. believe and he's calling just, Kyle and really, Yeah, he's he yeah, isn't he. What a prick. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is. He's, a, he's an absolute cock, him. And one of the things you were saying before about uh, Henriksen, he was a friend who was going to play uh, the Terminator. He was out mm. his friend. He's the cop, in it, who's next to the, the chief when he says something about, do you want to see, oh, I was in a war or something. But he was, like you say, he actually, what he did, Dave, he dressed up as the Terminator when Cameron was pitching it. And he wore um, a leather jacket, gold, put gold on his teeth and kicked a door open in, in some production meeting or some sales pitch that Cameron was doing to get it funded. But Cameron owed him that because he wouldn't have got the terminator otherwise it is for some reason it resonated with his character but uh but yeah anyway that but yeah that, that scene is fantastic the mm. police station is amazing but it's also good in the second one to see that the psychiatrist gets yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah. like oh shit she was right all along you know <laughs> but
0: i thought um i thought reese was brilliant in this bit as well you know when when she's you know, and again, the doctor is just being an absolute prick. He's having a good laugh at the video. You know, look at this guy. He's completely nuts, you know, being very professional about it. And Sarah Connors there, and Reese is just. You know, laying it all out there—that this absolute, this guy just will not stop. And I think it's this bit as well that made me think a little bit. Mike Myers, the the way he just is relentless, and you know, you can tell Kyle—he's he, not even sure if he can stop him himself. You know, he's going to do everything that he can. But I think it adds a lot of weight to you know what this what this thing, this Terminator is.
2: Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this this, this scene—it's yeah. clearly like you know—they've said to Michael Bean like you know this is your acting moment, so really you know this is your uh, this is your moment to shine. So he's, he gives yeah. it his all, doesn't he, to, to sort of tell them this story about what the future's like and what happens with Skynet and all that. I mean, it's it's I, I, I do really enjoy this scene where they're sort of going, and uh, I like it at the end of it they've watched the video and he's you know he's giving it all and he's going crazy and he pauses it and uh, so Sarah Connor's like, so you know is he is he crazy? And he's like, oh, he's a loon. Like, yeah, this guy's
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the professional term, te- technical that
2: technical term. There, yeah, he's a loon, and I, I just like the fact they like say he's so flippant, like you know. And I love the fact they then try to justify all the stuff that's happened before. They're like, Yeah, you see this, it's a flat jacket. So, yeah, the guy that was chasing you was probably wearing one of these. Oh, what about when he punched through a windscreen? Oh, he was probably on PCP, so he wouldn't have felt yeah. it. In the- I, even even watching, I'm like, I Yeah, think you're stretching, guys. This feels like you yeah. justified something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'm with you on that, Scott, because I think as well, what I found really bizarre is now, forgive me, I'd love, I always mention somehow I have to get in there, end game. I've been even watching the last half hour again today because I love it so much. But we're going off time travel here. Why would he come, get arrested, and then just blow? his whole cover, and potentially, if Doc Brown's right, break the space-time continuum by telling them all what's going to happen in the future. I- I'm sat there thinking, we've seen enough of this now, Tony Stark could have been right, actually. You know, he- he's ruining the whole time travel thing. It just didn't make any so sense to me
2: why he would if, do that. Have either of you seen that there's... I was, was debate to get into it, there's a whole thing around this about the paradox of... Cause and I thought let's get into it. So the point of this film is it's a fixed loop. So the point of this film is yeah. it was never uh, every, everything that's happened in this film is supposed to happen, and everything that happens in this film is supposed to happen in order for the war to start. So, it, it's, it's yeah, it gets like if you go, I went down some real rabbit holes on this one, I tell you. Um, well, it's the fact
0: that he he sends kyle reese back to nail his mum so that he can be created what (laughs) happened in the first time
2: well no there isn't there isn't that's the thing like there is no this that was the thing i looked at where everyone was like oh so there's a time frame when john connor's dad isn't kyle reese and you're like no 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 yeah this is a there's a thing called a bootstrap paradox um um which is basically a fixed loop of you can never find the beginning it's 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 a sort of a, a a fixed time paradox, which means so there's always been this time loop. Kyle Reese has always, always gone back and been the father of John Connor. The Terminator's always, always gone back, and the arm has survived. And so it's been the, the arm and the, the broken CPU, as you see in Terminator Two, is what creates Skynet. That that's always happened. Like that thing. That's the mm-hmm. that's the that's the loop. So. And that's because it, um, it's in a deleted scene, really. But if you if that end, that factory they end up in at the end is Cyberdyne. It's, yeah, so it's in a ah, deleted wow. scene. It's all a bit
0: deterministic, that. really, isn't yeah. it? It's a bit Matrix Revolutions kind of thing.
2: Yeah, so it's really because, you know, this this whole film. I mean, later they have this um, uh, Kyle Reese re-, re um, he recounts this thing that John Connor's told him, isn't it? There's no fate but what you make. You have to be strong, Sarah, because, you know, there is no fate uh, but what you make. And the point of the film is, actually, that's complete crap because all of this is predestined to happen, like, you know. Um, and there's even some theories that, in fact, actually, Skynet, obviously being a supercomputer, like, you know, an advanced AI, knows this and, in fact, has to send the Terminator back um, in order to kickstart its own creation. So it's almost like sending itself. It has to send this Terminator back in order for itself to be born, so that John Connor can then be born. And it's it's, it's this fixed loop. It's always going to end up in the same way. So it, it's fascinating. But so it's it's a weird thing. Like yeah, you, ah, right. I do find it odd that yeah. it goes on because you think you're just going to get yourself committed. This is weird, but it's <laughs> it's supposed to happen. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's, yeah,
0: surely, surely, it's, even it's, though I mean, he's I guess he's been brought up without any kind of literature or, you know, certainly no TV or anything. So I guess things that that we would take for granted, you know, if we went back into, the, into 1955 or something like that, you know, just random date, back to the future, <laughs> then uh, you would know that you would sound pretty nuts, wouldn't you? So you'd yeah. keep your cards a bit close to your chest, whereas he's just, he's a soldier. He's got one mission, and that's the only thing he's thinking about. That and the uh, worn-out picture of sarah connor that he's got
2: yeah yeah which, which also fits into that loop isn't it so but the thing just you, yeah. you see this thing about him from the future I, I, yeah. I want to go back to the some of the early stuff but the um there's a scene that where they've gone to the hotel and um they, you know they, they make those pipe bombs in order to make the pipe yeah. bomb he says he's, he's got that bundle of money and he says oh i've got to go to the shops he goes off to the shops to buy stuff how the hell does he know what shops what are shop I? is. Yeah. He's like, I'm, <laughs> off to, I'm off to a target. I'm going to pick up some bits and pieces and I'll pop by, you know, Walmart. Like, I would, that's the one scene that I've always, always been like, surely you should take Sarah with him to to show him how to, like, he didn't know to go up to a till. He doesn't know. Obviously, oh, yeah, that scene's the one part where I'm like, oh, that, that slightly baffles yeah, me. I
0: never noticed that before, but you're right.
1: <clears throat> I haven't a very good spot that, Scott, really. It's just, Obviously, when they get away, and, and they do get away from Arnie, I've got to be honest with both of you guys, Um, there wasn't much, well, shall we say, 12, 11-year-old Chris, maybe 13. There wasn't much in the view of entertainment, shall we say, at my age as I was uh, being a bit hormonal. <laughs> I may have rewound this bit quite a few times because there is some naked flesh. I, I'll be going to be completely Michael honest. Michael I'm you sure know, he works out. Building up the muscles yeah. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't his nipples I was looking at Dave. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong as you were, but yeah, I, it wasn't his Dave. I'll, I'll be honest and yeah, I I, I didn't I don't really rate um, Sarah Connor in this, <laughs> in this bit Dave I remember it opening my eyes thinking oh yeah I better get the cushion on here I don't know when I watched it when so, I think sorry yeah and sorry again I did a think it was there, I think old Kyle
0: Reese was probably in the same boat wasn't he because in this dystopian future I don't I don't think there was much uh, action with the ladies from what I could tell
1: no, that's true. That's
0: that's very true. But so that's what I'm saying. I'm sure that that picture that he was carrying around of Sarah Connor, I reckon he's probably used that quite yeah. a few times before.
2: It was like, that that photo was laminated. <laughs> that me he kept playing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. laminated
1: with what though that's the fucking problem but yeah stiff as a board but yeah it's, it's always one of the moments in the film where obviously they had to because he has to, as you just said Mike I think that was a great explanation it, it, it was always going to happen he, so would they sleep together he, we don't know this at the time but she's impregnated with John at this point and I like the end bit the end bit now where obviously Arnie tracks him down and we get this whole cat and mouse sequence, don't we, with the truck and the way they're chasing him. And and, and it's very much an 80s-type ending as such. I know, obviously, the way he goes out, but mm. I, I absolutely love the ride of this. I don't think there's any bits for me, really, that lull in the film. Just, you know, there are a few bits where they show in the future and that, but it's necessary to show the sort of ap- apocalyptic... Nightmare that they live in, like John Connor lives in, and everything. So, for me, I I'm just absolutely loving it. I think it's just it, it sets up so many other films from this as well. To be fair, but yeah, just all in on Arnie. And I must admit, watching it now, I'm still gutted Arnie gets killed. I know he's a baddie <laughs> in it, but I'm just gutted that he gets yeah. killed. You know,
2: I think the one thing this finale, this final film, it shows it shows some of the intelligence or the capability of the Terminator because he uses like Sarah's. Um, phone book, you know, he finds her parents, it, it finds her parents, mm-hmm. and then when she calls, she, you know, they, then she calls them. It says at mum and dad's cabin, um, and she calls them, and the Terminator responds. And it shows he's got that voice recording capability because, you know, the Terminator talks to her in that, yeah. uh, you know, the mum's voice to find out what hotel she's at, and that's when um, he, he comes and attacks. And then, just like I say, it's just a chase, like it's just a relentless chase, then to the end, like. The Terminator, like from the moment he's driven that car through the front of the police station, like all pretense of integration or sort of infiltration is gone. Like he's just like, you know, this is it now, balls to the wall. I'm just gonna, gonna go for it and kill whatever I want, really, till I get to Sarah Connor. Um, and so yeah, everything from he's on the bike to then being on the uh, getting in that truck, and he turns around and sort of says, you know, get out, and uh, it's just brilliant. I think that whole chase scene where it leads up to the factory is is, is excellent.
0: Yeah, and I think we mentioned the the stop-motion animation before, and I think that as well as when he's back at the hotel fixing his eye i think those are the two bits that really stand out for me as like you know proper grit your teeth like mm-hmm. oh yeah that that doesn't look good but but then when they're not using the stop motion animation and they're kind of zoomed in a bit closer i think the terminator looks great and i, I still you know it's still very much the design that they use now isn't it and i i just thought i, I was Pretty impressed with certain scenes on how good the Terminator looked, and um, I guess this idea, like you say of James Cameron writing these really strong female characters it, it comes more from the end bit doesn 't it i mean I, I was quite shocked watching it the, for the first time because I kind of I, I'd understood that Carl Reese was the, he was the hero. But he wasn't. He gets he gets killed off, doesn't he? And then that's when Sarah really steps up. So you, you kind of think that that Kyle's failed in his mission, but with all the preparation, you know that that he's he's all the exposition that he's told Sarah about what's going to happen in the future. You know, she does actually become uh, strong in the end, and it, it's her who finishes him off.
1: Yeah, I, I think. What one thing I like, obviously, when when she does get, uh, she does finish him off because we do get the typical horror movie. Oh, he's dead! Yeah. No, he's not. He's dead. Now I just watched the latest Halloween. Well, last sorry, Halloween I watched it, and Mike Myers, he's just he's just never gonna go away, is he? Really? They're making another one now, and and that's what you're getting at the end of this. You know, he, they set him alight. Some spoilers in a room, in a, like a panic room and stuff and <laughs> he gets nonsense, out. I mean, one. it's just nonsense. But anyway, I will be... I will, I'm not a bit as, as I said, Scott, I'm not a big <laughs> horror fan, but I will probably go and watch the next one next year again when it comes out. But but this was the what you got. It was very... It's like you said, the, the horror movie side. So every time you think he's finished, he makes another lunge for it, and then he's got no legs in him. And all that is fantastic. But the one bit just after this is where... I think it's fantastic, is Sarah's riding down the sort of, I don't know it's the Gulf of Mexico or wherever she is, and she's, she's in this Jeep, and obviously we get this picture. Now, a couple of things here. One of the things when they made it, which I find really interesting, is he, James Cameron shouldn't have been filming on that road. He's supposed to have a proper permit. And when the police called me, blagged him and said he was filming a, <laughs> a UCLA um, sort of documentary type thing or whatever it was, like an educational thing <laughs> to get around the actual that seems like a Roger circuit, But when you saying... was...
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Proper, uh, proper black dick. So I've got full hats off there. But you know, when the kid takes a picture, a couple of things. What a bitch. He wants $5 for the picture and she says, Quattro and says, Well, I'll have it for four. Yeah. And he does a deal with it. It's like, just give him the $5. <laughs> you are trying to save the apocalypse. She gives him four dollars. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking arguing over a dollar. But then what I like and I do like, you know, when you watch films and you'll see where it'll show a couple in, say, a sequel or something, and they're there, like... I don't know if they're going fishing or they're, they're at a dance, and you can clearly see it's superimposed. I like the way... I don't know if it was intentional. That picture was, was like what you want in a film, where you actually mm-hmm. see somebody yeah. take a picture of her. You know, and they say, like, oh, here's a picture of your mum, and it's some really random pose from when they were an actor in something else and they've had to, but this is actually what they use. And I think for me, I was like fanboying on that thinking, you know what? That's so clever that Cameron's done that. It's a little touch, but it just makes perfect sense because you've got the picture there that Kyle's got. It had to show where he got the picture and it wasn't, I'm so glad they didn't just go, oh, this is a picture of where was that done? I have no clue. It actually yeah, for me, I don't know about you, your, you guys, but for me, I just thought that put a nice full stop on the film. To be honest,
2: no, I agree. I mean, it's a lovely, it is a really good touch. And you say about it being random. I like the fact that it is random. You know, like she just stops at a gas station and some kids taking a photo, and that one moment becomes um, so important because that photo is what drives Kyle Reese to fall in love with her and everything else. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a really nice sort of like you say, full stop to the film. Um, yeah. But I said going back, I went to to the, to the to that bit in the factory. You're seeing about the sort of the Terminator design. Like again, it's so iconic, um, and I think that the the scene for me that I, I love, and uh, you know, I, again, being a bit of a fanboy for sort of uh, stop motion special effects, um, the bit where the, the truck is blown up and they think they've done it, and they're sort of you know like kneeling on the floor, sort of each other's arms. And the score is great. It has that crunching sort of like, you know, um, yeah. beat to it and sort of like, I can't describe it, but yeah. And then you just hear the metal sort of uh, twisting. The Terminator endoskeleton sort of uh, s- stands up and uh, comes out the metal and starts chasing after him. And it's got that limp. And as you said, then they sort of flip between stop motion animation and they're clearly sort of, like, you know, as they've done as a puppet. But the puppet, like, the the torso and the head, it it continues to do the thing you said before. You know, Sidani does that thing where his eyes move first, then the head. They carry it on with that puppet. Like, you can clearly see that they do that when it's the head and shoulders. Like, the eyes move, then the head moves and stuff. So, I love the fact that they've got those... This film has got so many good details in it for that continuity and just those little pieces that, like... It's clearly a passion project. Like, Cameron and Stan Winston and Arnie and all the guys involved in this, like... Clearly, sort of, you know, loved doing this and had a real sort of um, d- desire to, to do it well. Um, but I, that, that end scene, where it's just yeah, the skeleton is um, is so good. Like it's it's a, it's it's the finale you want because you've been teased. Like what's under the skin? What's under the skin? What's under the skin? Like you've seen so many little bits, and so to get that full reveal is um, it's almost like the hero be- reveal. You know, it sort of stood there. Um, it's reflecting the flames off it. Like it looked badass. Like it is, it's, it's probably one of those iconic moments for me of the Terminator franchise, that the Terminator standing up in the flames. Yeah. About
0: it. And, and sort of joining two things that we were talking about earlier, obviously we were saying, talking about Arnie initially wanting to do the part of Kyle Reese and, and I think Cameron actually convinced him that, you know, this movie is about the Terminator. Okay, you're not going to be the hero but it's about the Terminator. Um, Michael Bean's role, he, he's just playing a supporting actor to it, really. But also, we're talking about Stephen King, weren't we, at the top of the show? And that, you know, quite often the endings are just a bit, a bit flat. You know, you've had all this great build up. Well, here it's the opposite, isn't it? You do absolutely get that iconic payoff that, that built a whole franchise.
2: Yeah, I and mean, it's it's stunning. I mean it's so so good. I mean, you know and I, I wish they'd kept in the deleted scene to show that like you know this was cyber it just it feels it ties up as you said before about the photo being that full stop, it's like all those little loose ends are tied up and it feels like a nice package. Like, you know, originally obviously this was supposed to be like a one off. They didn't really think of sequels in, in you know, back in the day. So no, it's it's so good. It's such a good finale. Um, awesome. Then it's a perfect end in that Scott. Shall we go into our
1: review, guys?
0: Let's go. We have a five point system if this is a top top film one of the best films you've ever seen or you know and it really stands up to what you remembered back watching it back in the day or possibly it's even better you'll start off at cloud city if it's not quite as good as that and you know but it's still a good solid movie then you'll send it to pleasantville middle of the road we get the nexus of everything we get hill valley and then if we're getting into the territory that it's not so good, we're going to Elm Street. And then if it is particularly bad, we're going to send it off to Dantooine to be blown up by a Death Star. So, Scott, would you like to give us your final review, please?
2: Yeah, of course. So, really, I think this film, it's, it's a standout for me. It's iconic. I think this is the film that you know really defined uh, Arnie for so much to come um, with so little you know it's it's it really showed i think what he could do uh Cameron is firing on all cylinders this was a bit of a do or die situation for him i think you know he, he it's, it establishes his career and with a minuscule budget with a really small budget they pull off something that is stunning and you know there are so many films that you so you sort of stand by for years and years and you say yeah it's amazing it's you know you've got to see this film and when you go back and see it it feels weak or it doesn't quite work or it doesn't stand up. Or you, like you say you can mm-hmm. critique it. This, this to me stands up. Like I can go back and I can watch this time and time again. It's clear why it's sort of kicked off a franchise. It's clear why there's so much, you know, merchandising and there's sort of comics and games and everything like this. This is, this is such a well put together product and package that um, I, I I struggle to find fault with this film and everybody in it. It's it's lightning in a bottle. Like you know, it could have gone a different way. You could have had O.J. Simpson and it's it would have been a very different story.
0: <laughs> O.J. Simpson and Sting.
2: Yeah, yeah, it could have been a very, <laughs> you wouldn't have had Terminator 2 off the back of it. this this film is lightning in a bottle. It's it's almost like one of those quintessential 80s sci-fi horror action films. I mean, and to me I I will say it's it's Cloud City. This film stands up to the test of time, and I think it will do for for a long, long time to come.
0: Very good.
1: Chris, do you want to go next?
2: Yeah. So... I
1: wasn't sure going back on this. Now, I've got a lot of abuse, Scott, this last week because of the Raises of the Lost Ark <laughs> score. Dave just is absolutely disgusted with me because of that. But we also reviewed Ferris Bueller a few episodes ago, a film that I absolutely loved as a kid. I, you know, I've got the DVD here, the special edition... And I just did not like it one bit. It just did not for me stand up, or how I remembered it completely. Whether it's just as I'm getting older, I just it just doesn't did nothing for me. Whereas this these I'd be very hard pushed for somebody to say or oh, find fault with this. I absolutely loved it. I, I always remember the second one being my favourite, but watching this again and just purely elevating Arnie to what he became in my life as a fan. I, I'm not going to mark this down at all. Yeah, there's a few dodgy bits. There's a few nonsense bits. Obviously, we're questioning Kyle Reese's <laughs> cleanliness and personal hygiene, <laughs> but that's obviously a side issue. Uh, obviously, wasn't bothered by that. I was hoping he, he did have a shower when we got to that bit. But anyway, other than that, I just think it's amazing. It's, it's such a good film, and it's going straight to Cloud City for me. I think what it, the only the only negative I can say and I might offend you here, Scott, I'm not sure how you feel about this, is from this and the second one, James Cameron thought it was good <laughs> to then make Avatar. But other than that, I can't follow it. So he's cloudy all the way. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, yourself, I, I will eh? just say,
0: obviously, it's 2019, isn't it? We've got the next one coming out, and... All of the individual Terminator movies that have happened since Terminator 2 have been done by other people. And this is the first one. And it comes back to this first movie that he basically, you know, he was doing whatever he could. And so he, he basically signed away all the rights and everything to, uh, to the Terminator franchise. So that's why he hasn't done any for years. And, um, but I'm really looking forward to this next one because essentially that'll be a continuation of Terminator 2. So, I think, like, probably yourselves, like, probably 95% of the population, in my mind, in my memory, I always hold Terminator 2 as being a a bit higher. I I think that's a more enjoyable movie. You know, it's a bit more fun. There's a a few more fun moments. It's more kind of action sci-fi, whereas this is more horror sci-fi. And so... I was going into this thinking this is probably a Hill Valley or Pleasantville. You know, I, I, it spawned the franchise, but it, it's not going to stand up that well. And as part from the two moments that I talked about before, the stop motion animation, the uh, bit in the hotel room where Arnie's uh, plastic mask is, is kind of moving around in a very jerkily type fashion apart from that most of the effects stand up surprisingly well and so that that was a nice uh, a nice surprise that I, I just wasn't expecting that at all so knowing that terminator 2 is coming up and knowing that i'm probably going to send that to cloud city i was thinking i can't really send this to cloud city as well but the impact that this movie has had on this whole genre i I just can't really ignore that. I think the music absolutely stands up as well. I didn't really harp on about that too much. No pun intended there, but you know it just sounded fantastic uh, going back to it. just that perfect blend of that kind of synthy eighties sound along with that industrial you can almost hear the anvil smashing you know when when it really kicks in so for me, it's not the highest cloud city, but it's just stepping out of Pleasantville, and it is in cloud city for me. So we got a, a full row of cloud cities there, which, um, yeah, I, I'm pleasantly surprised about, and I
1: wasn't expecting that on this rewatch. That's great stuff. Now, Scott, where can everyone find you, please?
2: Yeah, so uh, if you want to check out 20th Century Geek, uh, the podcast is out there. It's on uh, almost all the podcasting podcast-catching sort of platforms, mainly on iTunes and Spotify and all that sort of stuff. If you want to find me, I'm also on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook and the lot, just under at 20th Century Geek. So if you search for, search for 20th Century Geek, uh, you'll find me. And uh, come off chat, come check out the podcast. And like I say, we're going to be doing a full Terminator uh, retrospective leading up to a sort of week of release uh, review of Dark Fate. And uh, I'm not... I can't guarantee that all the films are going to be cloud city level. Uh, in fact, in fact, I'm pretty sure they're
0: not. So... Well, I, I'm kind of considering it, you know, it's it's going to be the third of the James Cameron Terminator mm. franchise. So I, I'm kind of just ignoring all those other ones. I, I don't think they're terrible, but um, uh, no, the first two really stand out for yeah, me. Yeah,
2: we'll wait till you hear my, my opinions on Genesis and then... Uh... <laughs> I think I think it's up there with like the Predator as being one of the worst franchise films that have come out in the last sort of ten years. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. Is
2: that the Christian Bale one? That no, that's uh, Salvation. Um, I didn't mind Salvation. Yeah, I think Salvation. I think people give that a hard time, uh, but I actually think there's some. Something worth watching in that film. It's uh, no so Genesis was the one with uh, Amelia Clark, Joy uh, Joy C- oh, yes. Courtney, yeah. and it goes all over the place. And uh, Matt Smith, yes. Matt Smith plays uh, Skynet. It gets weird. It's weird.
1: yeah, the time the time <laughs> thing. Arnie ages Dunny and everything and all that. Yeah, yeah, because he replays the start of the Terminator when he takes the clothes off and Dunny and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any I excuse
2: to try and justify why Arnie has to be in the film, but old.
1: Yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll see how
2: that
0: one goes. You are right. (laughs) That would be cool. uh, And I know you guys, you tend to go back through the comics as well. So, I mean, I've not read all of the comics, but I've read that first Dark Horse run. It's pretty Mm. good. So, no, I'll I'll be listening to that one as well.
2: I appreciate
1: that. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, if you do want to get in contact with the show... On Twitter at VHS Strikes Back. If you want to email the show, VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. If you are interested in some of the other podcasts myself and Dave do, please have a look on your podcast, Catching Out for Comics in Motion, where we review comic book based media, TV, and movies. These are uh, 88 episodes on there now, so there's no excuse. I'm sure there's something that you might like. And sorry about this, Scott, but if you are into Love Island, <laughs> and you haven't watched <laughs> the last series in the UK or US, our Love Island podcast, the Love Island cast is available on all podcast catching apps. And also there has been a resurrection of our football podcast, the Chat Footy podcast, and that is available on Anchor at the moment and all... and. Um, Sorry, that's available on Anchor and Spotify and will be available on all podcast catching apps in the next couple of days, guys. And that's where we talk about the weekend's premiership football and just have a general chit-chat. And mostly Dave taking the piss out of me because he's a Liverpool fan and I'm a United (laughs) fan and I'm having a nightmare at the moment. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, Dave, I've um, done it again. So uh, what have you got to lead us out with today, my friend? Well, I've got a different type of plug, Chris. So I,
0: I've spoken you. to you very briefly. Over <laughs> 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 I've spoken to you over Messenger, but we haven't actually I haven't verbalized it. But I heard through the Movie Drone podcast, they were talking about PodCoin. And so I thought, oh, well, what's this little thing then? So essentially, it's an app. It's a platform that you've got on Apple and on Android. And it's, it's just like Apple podcasts or whatever. It's just a podcast catcher. But for each kind of 10 minutes that you listen to something, a podcast, you acquire a point and then you build up your set of points. And then you can claim like Amazon vouchers or Google play vouchers and stuff like that. And for me personally, I listen to hours of podcasts every single day. And so I'm doing it anyway. But then, at the end of it i'll kind of get paid for it, or you can also there's an option to um, to donate your your points to charity so and there's all kinds of charities on there so again it, it's great for listeners if you want to uh, contribute a bit to charity or you want to Amazon voucher you know you want to build up to one of those, then uh, I think it's a great little app so I, i'm definitely honestly i'm going to be using Podcoin for all my podcast uh, listening in the future.
2: Cool. I'll be definitely
0: trying that. That sounds great. Yeah. And so, uh, Scott, if you want to, you can go on there and claim your podcast as well. And so uh, if you basically sign up with your details, they'll give you like a couple of weeks of being a, what's like a bonus podcast. So, you know, if you listen to it, rather than acquiring like a point for every 10 minutes, you might get two points every 10 Mm -hmm. minutes or something like that, you know, and they'll do that for a limited time cool so it is honestly it's really cool cool. i I don't i don't know how it's all financed (laughs) quite honestly but um like say i I, i'll be giving and and you can actually see if it's your own podcast you can see who's listening and it it gives you great analytics so it it really is a handy little tool i don't know how long it's been around but uh it, it does seem quite handy that cool now chris before i ask you how you are going to finish us off i just want to thank scott again for coming on it's been absolutely brilliant to get that insight from you and obviously we're all into the same kind of stuff so great to indulge with you and uh no thanks again for no, coming on
2: for having me i really appreciate it and you know i so say i love the podcast you're doing the lawns work it's really great stuff on both uh comics and motion and uh you know the vhs podcast it's it's I really appreciate it. So I will be asking you guys to repay the favour, and uh, I will be having you on 20th Century Geek at some point in the future.
0: Of course. Of course. That's awesome. Um, We were talking about Police Academy, obviously, before. I think we'll definitely have to – we've got a shared love of that one as well. I'm not sure that one will stand up quite as well, but we'll definitely have you back on for that one. That
2: sounds like a great laugh.
0: No, thank you, Scott. Top man. Now, Chris? How are you going to finish us off today?
1: (laughs) You wanker. So, obviously, we've got some quite iconic lines and quotes and very much pop culture references within this film. And a lot of it obviously goes to the main man, the Austrian oak, Arnie. But there's a little lone actor, Dave, that I've mentioned quite a bit, and he's simply credited as derelict in the movie credits. And he simply says this, guys. And again, Scott, before I say this, thank you again for coming on. I do appreciate you coming on with myself and Dave. But this guy actually says, that son of a bitch took my pants. I'll see you next time.
2: That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that?
1: We
0: better get back because it'll be dark soon and they mostly come at night. Mostly.
1: I'll be back That's annoying
0: We came, we saw, we kicked its ass
2: Wax on Wax up. Oh! Get to the chopper One ring the bell. Alright
1: Ding, ding Bust you up Go for it
2: Well here we go ah you so bad! ain't so bad! you so bad! I so bad! You must be crazy or something! I'm crazy! You're just a stupid boy! You're crazy! you stupid, crazy! You're crazy! You're crazy! you stupid. crazy! see you in six months I, I must break you.